This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining. Today on The Joseph Carlson Show, we're going to be looking at my dividend portfolio. It's currently over $300,000 in value. I'm buying what I think are high-quality, productive assets, and in this episode, I'll be giving a full update on it, going over where I see value in the market today. Now, we also have news that Elon Musk, with Tesla, is creating an AI humanoid robot. It looks a little bit like a guy wearing spandex, but he says that this thing is going to be able to eventually go to the grocery store, pick out groceries for you, and bring them back. That's what it's going to be able to do. It's going to be able to just act like a human and do simple, repetitive, boring, or dangerous tasks that humans are tired of doing. Now, I'll be giving my thoughts on this, and we'll go over the one simple problem that no big tech company has really been able to solve, including Tesla. None of these Silicon Valley companies seem to be able to solve this problem. Now, in other news, we also have Apple giving some concessions and softening their stance on their App Store policy, saying that now app developers can email out alternative ways to pay for an app outside of the App Store. This is a pretty significant move for Apple. This is a big win for developers. And I actually think that this is a good thing for Apple as well. And I'm going to explain how I think this benefits Apple in the long run. Now, let's first jump right in to the Tesla AI day where they revealed the Tesla robot. Now, at first glance, just the appearance of it, the design of it, I personally like, but I like the design of most things Tesla makes. I'm I'm kind of partial to Apple products. I like the design of Apple devices. And Tesla is often described as having the same type of design aesthetics. In fact, a lot of people say that driving a Tesla is like the inside of an iPhone, right? It's very clean, aesthetic, and simple. That's something that I appreciate. So I do like the design of the Tesla robot, at least in the mock-ups. But this is how Elon Musk chose to introduce the robot. That is not the robot, but that is a guy dancing to dubstep on the screen here. And that's Elon Musk laughing, standing next to him. Now, the first thing that Elon Musk does when he gets on the stage is assures us that even though that is not a real robot, the Tesla robot will be real. Uh, So Dojo is real. Uh, The Tesla bot will be real. Um, But uh, basically, if you think about what we're doing right now with the cars, uh, Tesla is arguably the world's biggest robotics company because our cars are like semi-sentient robots on wheels. And that right there is the main message that he's trying to get past. That Tesla's not a car company, it is a robot AI company that makes sentient devices. Now the Wall Street Journal described this as Tesla doubling down on artificial intelligence. And if you're not aware right now, artificial intelligence is the hottest word in the market. Well, the hottest two words artificial intelligence together is now the hot new trend. That's what every company claims to be and every company wants to be. They want to be an artificial intelligence. It's no longer just EV stocks. It's no longer clean energy. It's no longer marijuana. It's artificial intelligence. 
Those are the hottest stocks in the market. And Elon Musk is doubling and tripling down on artificial intelligence. He says the development of such robots could fundamentally change the economy, potentially alleviating labor shortages. In the future, physical work would be a choice. So basically, the only reason that you would want to do physical work in the future is just for the exercise. There'd be no reason to do it because Tesla's robots and other robots will do all the physical work for you. Elon Musk just said that his Tesla cars are sentient robots. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is at the heart of Tesla's efforts to develop more advanced driver-assistant features and eventually fully autonomous vehicles. In the presentation, Tesla and the company engineers delivered a highly technical peak under the hood of the company's driver-assistant system. Now, of course, everything Tesla does and Elon Musk does is met with a variety of different opinions. The Verge, for instance, says, don't overthink it, Elon Musk's Tesla bot is a joke, a distraction and an empty promise. There's experts that have gone on to CNBC to say that the only viable robot so far is the Roomba. Products that have been successful, both in the autonomous vehicle space, but then also in, in sort of robotics, are when you, you take a problem that makes sense to automate and you build a robot specifically to solve that problem. That's, the, that's literally the only, you know, the only like viable uh, robotic product is the, is the Roomba. But then there's, of course, others that have a more optimistic viewpoint of what Tesla's doing here. And I would put two key takeaways is uh, the future value creation is not around electrification. It's around autonomy. Tesla has struggled there. But I think based on what I saw last night, I am in the camp that they are far ahead of other car makers in the substance of their AI and where that's going relative to autonomy. And then the second is this skit uh, that they did around the bot. When I saw it, it, uh, it reminded me when Elon broke the window of the Cybertruck. It was painful at a, a certain point to watch. However, it uh, really spoke to what the ambitions of this company are, which is to get beyond cars, whether it's HVAC, solar, um, uh, storage. Now we have this bot. Uh, it's not going to be out next year. It'll probably be five plus years before it's out. But it speaks to a company that wants to go after big problems, physical labor in this case. And just one more before we turn it over to Gordon, is that I think this concept of, uh, of really laying out this vision, this is exciting for what is the land grab or the, the most treasured assets around AI's engineers. And that's what Elon was, that's who he was speaking to last night. It wasn't to investors. It was to get engineers excited about working in transformative projects. So Gene Munster believes that this was basically a ploy to get engineers excited to work at Tesla, as opposed to the other big tech companies that of course want to hire them. Because right now there's a huge shortage of highly qualified engineers. Now, Elon Musk doesn't give a hard timeline on when this thing will be operational, when this robot will really be able to function, but he does give a timeline on the prototype. So uh, we think we'll probably have uh, a prototype sometime next year uh, that uh, is, basically looks like this. And this is where the simple problem comes in with Silicon Valley and different applications like this, the timelines. Elon Musk has given out a lot of timelines 
that have been pushed back more and more. In 2015, he said that self-driving autonomous vehicles would be on the road in just a few years. Then we fast forward to 2021, and Elon Musk says that making autonomous cars is much harder than he expected, after Tesla's timeline for the latest full self-driving software slipped yet again. He said self-driving was, quote, a hard problem that requires solving a large part of real-world AI. Two years ago, at an event about automation, Elon again projected that more than a million Tesla vehicles would be able to operate without a driver by the middle of 2020. He said it would position the company to launch the robo-taxi service. And that was last year. Obviously, that didn't happen. Some progress has been made, but they're arguably still a ways away from full automation. In fact, the U.S. just opened a probe into Tesla after Autopilot keeps crashing into parked emergency vehicles. It will be looking at 11 crashes where Tesla vehicles were in autopilot mode and they crashed into emergency vehicles. Those crashes led to 17 injuries, one fatality. Now, granted, that is a small amount of crashes for how many Tesla cars are on the road. But even in 2021 now, we still seem to be quite a ways away from fully autonomous driving. And this is where I think we run into the biggest challenge of Silicon Valley, including Tesla. It's that software is easier than hardware. And software can scale better, it can grow better, without as much challenge. When you move into the realm of hardware, like Tesla's doing with its artificial intelligence, that's where things get difficult. Tesla says that they're going to have a prototype ready sometime next year, and then there's predictions that this thing will be ready to go by the next five years, leapfrogging the progress that Boston Dynamics has made working on this bot, Atlas, for the past 10 years. Even though Boston Dynamics has built this robot and has been working on it and perfecting it for over a decade, they still do not consider it anywhere close to ready to go out into the real world. That's how difficult this stuff is. So when I look at Tesla's project, I look at it and think the likelihood of it being delayed and the timeline to be set back again over and over like their autonomous driving, well, I think the chances of that are very high. I've worked as a developer for the past 10 years and I can tell you something that I've learned. Software is easy, hardware is difficult. When you're creating a software application, you can scale it and grow it and build it incredibly fast. Mark Zuckerberg is an example of this. He built the first version of Facebook in his college dorm in two weeks. That's how long it took him. Two weeks to build the first version of Facebook. And being purely software, just a website and an app, Facebook was able to grow exponentially. As of last quarter, Facebook reported that they have 1.9 billion daily active users. That's daily. 1.9 billion. They have 2.89 billion monthly active users, and they're spreading all across the world. And Facebook's margins are incredible. They're able to grow at this pace with very low overhead. Silicon Valley has been incredibly successful with software and simple computing devices like phones and computers. But once they move out of that realm, that's where they run into issues. Haven. The Amazon Berkshire JP Morgan venture to disrupt healthcare is disbanded after three years. This is an all-star team. You have Berkshire Hathaway, you have Amazon and JP Morgan, and they disbanded their joint effort to disrupt healthcare. They say the move to Shutterhaven may be a sign of how difficult it is to radically improve American healthcare, a complicated and entrenched system of doctors, insurers, drug makers, and middlemen that cost the country $3.5 trillion every year. 
Even this all-star team of companies decided they couldn't disrupt healthcare in the way that they originally envisioned. And they're not the only ones that have tried. Apple's struggling in their push to make healthcare its greatest legacy. This entire article goes through how they've poured billions and billions and years of time into research and development in how to disrupt healthcare, and most of their attempts have largely failed. Simply put, moving out of the realm that they're good at, building these simple hardware devices linked with software, is very difficult. When Apple tries to push into a different industry like healthcare, they struggle just as much as Amazon or Berkshire or JP Morgan. We all know the story of Elizabeth Holmes. She's the one that built the Theranos machine called the Edison. This was supposed to be a revolutionary device that could run a variety of different blood tests with only a very small sample of blood. Of course, she ran into so many issues creating this device, how difficult it was to get it correct, how difficult it was to run these blood tests successfully, that she ended up faking it. And you can't really do that in the realm of healthcare. You can't fake it until you make it. You can't move fast and break things. So what she ended up doing was misrepresenting the product to both investors and customers and ultimately being charged with fraud. Now Elizabeth Holmes is awaiting trial. And of course, Elizabeth Holmes is not the only one that tried to fake it till she made it with physical devices. Trevor Milton did the same thing. He didn't have the device working, so he misrepresented it. Now he's facing multiple charges of fraud. So looping back to Elon Musk and this humanoid robot, the point is that this type of stuff is very difficult. And I think that Elon Musk has a habit of kind of understating how difficult it really is. I don't think there's a chance that we'll have a fully functional humanoid robot going to the grocery stores in the next five years. In my opinion, I think it will take much longer than five years. I would not be surprised if this was something that was at least 10 years out from now. So that's my thoughts on it. I think that this type of stuff tends to take a lot longer in the real world. And I think a humanoid robot that's fully functional and actually useful is something that is incredibly difficult, far more difficult than disrupting healthcare. So I think there's a lot of other huge problems that will be solved before this thing hits the market. Now let's go ahead and jump into my portfolio. I'll give you a quick update of what I'm buying and what I'm selling. Just a reminder, there is a link in the description of this video that allows you to click into every one of these categories and see my current holdings. Now, so far, I'm not really selling anything. So I haven't sold anything for over at least a couple weeks. I'm pretty happy with all of my holdings, but I have been doing a lot of buys and I'm buying more real estate. As you can see, this used to be 15% of my portfolio. I'm bumping it up to 20% and it's currently at 18. So I'm gonna keep investing in this until it meets its target allocation of 20%. Within the real estate pie, I've been holding off my buys of Vici and MGP. I have such a large position in Vici already. And when these companies combine, my position in Vici will grow even further. And the market has been recovering a little bit with Vici, but I've been buying more store capital. I've increased my position in this company a lot. I think it's one of the highest quality REITs in the market at the best price right now. And I've also been buying a little bit more Realty Income Corp and even more Simon property. I'm still bullish on malls and I still believe that this company will give positive returns. Now I've also been increasing my position in ETFs in the income fund, specifically SCHD. I believe that this is the overall top tier best dividend paying ETF. Out of everyone that I've looked at, I think that this is by far the most well-rounded and it offers the best trade-off between yield and growth. So this is one that I really like and I continue to build up in my portfolio. 
Now, outside of those buys, there's other companies that I want to be buying right now, but they're just simply so expensive. If we go into the consumer category, all of these companies are trading with very high PE ratios, very high price to sales ratios, and they're trading around their all-time highs. Disney still trades around its all-time highs in the 170s, and I don't want to buy more of it at that price point. I already have a very big holding in Disney. Costco trades at a 42 PE ratio, and that's definitely not a still. Costco's trading at the highest PE ratio it has for the past 20 years. Home Depot, Nike, Comcast, and Target are all historically expensive. So right now I'm buying high quality real estate that I still think is good value. I'm buying some ETFs and I'm waiting patiently for some of my favorite companies to go on sale. And when they eventually do go on sale, I'll pick up more shares of them. But until then, I'm fine just sitting here and watching the gains and dividends steadily roll in. Now moving on from that, we have news that Apple is going to be letting developers alert users to use alternate payment methods. So now when you join an app, they might email you and say, hey, here's another way to pay for our product outside of the app store. And you might be able to save money that way. Now this is proposed to be big bad news for Apple, but it's really not. I don't think that this is bad news. And this is something that I predicted for a while that would happen to Apple. They're going to continually reduce their fees for their app store and relax their rules. Now with this news out, Apple's up 0.76% today. So Apple shareholders, I think correctly, don't seem to care about this news. They're not concerned about it. I don't think this is going to affect them negatively in the long run. Amazon is an example of a company that has been successful sharing savings with the customer. They have intentionally very low margins for the retail business in order to make the customer have better value. And that symbiotic relationship of sharing savings with the customer leading to bigger growth is something that has been shown in company after company. Walmart's one of the biggest companies in the world and it's known for the greatest value. They share the benefits with the customer, making it more difficult for competitors to compete. Costco's done the same thing. Costco intentionally keeps their margins as low as possible in order to make it so that they can grow as big as possible. And we have other technology companies like Shopify cutting their app store fees for developers on the first 1 million in revenue to zero. Now, normally an investor might look at this and say, Shopify is going to make less money, so that's a bad thing for Shopify. But the smart investors will look at this and say, that ensures a greater chance of victory for Shopify because it makes it so that more developers want to work on their platform more developers are locked into their ecosystem, and it makes it more difficult for competitors to compete. They now have an incredibly difficult time undercutting Shopify. I think Shopify was smart to come to that conclusion very early, and I think that Apple will get there. I think that eventually they will lower the fees for their app store. That'll create a lot more equity with the developers and ultimately be a positive thing for Apple in the long run. Now that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a thumbs up. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.